0: Today on IFS Talks, we are excited to be meeting with Liz Phillips. Liz wound her way into therapy after a circuitous route through a few degrees, English, fine art, and education, and after a career in communications writing. Her passion for couples work led her to a training in couples therapy two years before she was even accepted into a formal therapy school. While Liz was studying to be a therapist, she simultaneously trained in levels one and two of sensory motor psychotherapy and emotionally focused therapy for couples. But it wasn't until she bumped into IFS and IFIO that Liz felt she had found her therapy home. She has now completed her level one in IFS and level two in IFIO and has run two of her own IFIO-informed workshops to introduce the model to her Canadian community. Currently based in Toronto, Liz is a self-proclaimed coffee snob and loves long winter runs along the waterfront. Liz, thank you so much for being here with us and joining us on IFS Talks today.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. This is really exciting.
2: Thanks much, Liz, for willing to sit with us what parts come up today here in your bio?
1: Um yeah, I've never heard my bio said out loud anywhere for anything. So that is super exciting. And it feels it feels accurate. You know, it's a condensed version of my journey um through therapy, which has been a condensed journey because I started later in life. So yeah, it was interesting to hear. Liz,
0: what brought you into changing careers into being a therapist into yeah into studying therapy so I um I've always been
1: interested um I've been doing my own therapy since I was 25 and I just turned 53 and um and then for about 20 years I was seeing one therapist in particular who I think would be an IFS therapist now she was so close but she just didn't get that training in particular. And she, after about a decade said, you should really become a therapist. I think you'd be good at it. And I said, that is the last thing I'm ever going to do ever. Um, even though I was always reading self-help books, I was a huge fan of being a client, um, really interested in my internal life and other people's internal life. But I was afraid of being a therapist because, um, I was so parentified by my mother and caretaking her, I didn't want to be in that role with other people. And I just had this worry that that's what it would be. Um, And then finally, it was just, it just seemed so obvious. Everything I was doing was basically therapy, but I just wasn't doing therapy. So I finally decided this is, it's calling for
0: me. I'm coming. And then you made a shift pretty quickly into working with couples. What what um transpired to have you follow that challenging but wonderful route
1: yeah well I don't see it as a shift into that I think that's actually where I started
0: oh no it kidding
1: depends. yeah so you know when I went to that that training couples training long before I got into a therapy school um I realized that that's what I wanted to do was work with couples and then I had to do therapy training in order to training couples work. So, you know, I feel like I've been in fact kind of training in it in terms of who I've had to be in my family with my parents for a long time. And and then looking at my own relationships um, and the struggles I've had, it's always been an interest. So that was what drove me to therapy school was so that I could work with couples.
2: And how did you start that training?
1: Well, first was that program I did that was sort of um, attachment and neuroscience based with a couple in Florida, um, Hetty and Yumi Schleifer. I think it's called Encountered Centered Therapy. I can't remember what it's called. But then they were the ones who said, do you know who Sue Johnson is? And here was this Canadian from Ottawa who had no clue who Sue Johnson was. So I came back and got into my school and then trained in EFT. And then I bumped into IFS, and once I had done IFS, I realized this would be amazing, and I wondered if it had a couple's version, and of course it did. And so then I pursued that.
0: What did it feel like to to pursue the IFIO, Intimacy from the Inside Out, training? How did it land with you initially? Uh, It landed like
1: home, the same way IFS did.
0: So actually
1: it, they were really close on the heels of each other um, because I did some workshops in Toronto and then um, and then I, I contacted someone, um, Jennifer Fleming in the States and asked if she would also do a workshop on couples work. Um, so my first workshop was with Derek Scott and then Jennifer Fleming came and taught um, a day long couples workshop. And I knew right then, this is where I wanted to go and so, um, with another colleague of mine who also is a, a couples therapist, and we trained together in EFT, we pursued Tony. I mean, poor Tony. We booked into her intro course, and then we quickly got into level one in Portugal, which is where I met the two of you. And then we, um, and then we got into IFIO. And you know, it was a whirlwind. It's like one of those romantic montages in the movies. And uh, we just fell in love with, with the model and, um, and trained in it. And, yeah, it just it feels like home. It just feels like the thing I was born to do. I know it in my bones.
2: So you trained in emotionally focused therapy for couples, the Sue Johnson model. Yeah. What made you change to IFIO?
1: So I kept getting stuck in EFT. Um, you know, I sort of understood it. But I kept getting stuck with my couples and I kept wondering if I was just not a good couples therapist. And, um, and then when I went over to, when I got that one day training in IFIO, I, I understood right away what the issue was. And it, and it was that the way the EFT model is set up, it's missing some key pieces, at least for me to understand what I'm doing and what's happening in the couple's systems. I found it not explicit enough mm-hmm. um, about parts, about self-energy, um, about therapist parts. And it's the way it works with couples um, is very focused on a, a model of building an earned sense of secure attachment through uh, creating a soft spot to land in the other, whereas in IFIS and IFIO, the soft spot to land is us. Okay. And so I kept getting stuck in session with my couples. And in fact, I was about to quit therapy and stop being a therapist. And a friend said, before you do that, just try IFS.
2: Oh, beautiful. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: So what sort of adjustments did you make after that first training? What shifted? So...
1: The the first adjustment, I I guess there are some key things that are really different between the two. They have a lot of similarities, but the key things that are different are knowing about parts explicitly. So EFT intuitively gets there and knows that there are sort of primary and secondary emotions. They would say the primary would be what we would call the exiles, you know, that sort of core beliefs. I'm not lovable. You know, I'm never going to get this right. Um, and the secondary would be the protective behavior, the anger, the shutdown, um, that kind of thing. But because they don't talk about it as parts, they don't get to know those primary and secondary emotions very well. Mm, exactly. And so, you know, in EFT, the, I felt like there was this implicit message to to get past the secondary, the anger, the shutdown. Mm-hmm. And to reveal the primary, the I'm not lovable and uh, I'm not good enough, in the hopes that it would engender compassion in the partner, which is a great idea, didn't happen very often in session. Whereas in IFIO, I am really uh, helping clients get in touch with their parts of their own system. And on and unhooking them from the idea that their partner, that the job here is for their partner to feel compassion, that their partner is going to somehow help out and create that secure attachment. In IFIO, it's as you get to know your parts, either your protectors or exiles and how they work together, you're going to understand your system better. Mm -hmm. And there's more chance of you having some Mm self-compassion. So that shift was massive. And I had I had clients that went had been with me for at least a year in EFT. We shifted to IFIO, and that shift to understanding parts was huge for them.
0: And so did it shift uh, the way that you sat as well with clients? Absolutely. So, you know,
1: both models, EFT and IFIO, think of the therapist as kind of a process facilitator. We're not getting involved in the content of the couple but in in um in IFIO i understand you know what i'm doing is really facilitating a self to part connection and in doing that you know i'm going to be able to help that person first get to know their own system and then i'm going to help them be able to speak for what happens in their system to their partner and vice versa so you know my role is to help them, you know, there's some hope merchanting for them to sort of know that there could be a whole other way to have the conversations they're having once they understand who's been showing up in the conversation in the first place Mm -hmm. and stopping them from hearing each other. And usually the one who's been showing up, as we know from IFS, is one that has shown up that way as a protective strategy when they didn't have any other options. You know, and usually that happens a long time ago in the family of origin, Mm -hmm. right? Kids don't have a lot of options. They just do whatever they can to manage the situation in that family. And then it becomes habit. And then here you are, an adult in your adult relationship, and you just default to that Mm -hmm. protective response. So I'm helping them understand, you know, there may be, it makes sense you're doing that and there may be other options here. And so I'm really holding those possibilities and then experientially guiding them through what that could feel like in session so that they get a new experience of that possibility.
2: that's the beauty of IFIO. You say you see IFIO as a protocol for helping couples move from protection to connection. Yeah. Can you tell us more about this movement?
1: So I did not coin that particular phrase, but I did elaborate on it. And I think of it as self-protection to safe connection and, you know, self-protection, which are our protector parts that, you know, maybe lash out or shut down um, or, or, you know, become great lawyers and argue their case or, you know, act out in some other way. They're really there to help us out. And so, when we start to understand that, you know, and and this, there's there's another really key moment in IFIO that does not exist in EFT, which is what we call the U-turn.
2: Exactly.
1: So, for people to really understand that movement from self-protection to safe connection, we help the person make a U-turn towards themselves, so that they can understand that that self-protection piece that they do towards their partner. That it's coming from a a place that makes a lot of sense because they are trying to protect something inside them. Once they can make that internal safe connection to themselves, then they actually can speak from self, speak for parts, and make a safe self to self connection across to their partner. So the self protection to safe connection is both within each person and it's also between the couples that they learn both things, the U-turn inside and then the return to each
0: other. That's really beautiful. Yeah. What are you seeing happening with your couples as they make that shift from reactive protectors to the safe internal connection? So
1: what I see, and you know, that process is the process. I just want to say it's so important. This is the process Tony Herbine-Blank developed out of her work in, um, you know, Imago and systems therapy, and IFS, of course. And, um, and then the neurobiology of that, as well that she brings in, which I also know from my sensory motor psychotherapy training, you know, what's happening in everyone's system. So I have, uh, I had Um, a a couple who I worked with, I think it's probably good to have a concrete example. And this is sort of a compilation of couples. So it's not, won't be identifiable as a particular Mm -hmm. couple, but this has happened again and again. So, you know, um, a a queer couple, white, um, where one person had a severe trauma history and, you know, would self-medicate with hard drugs. And the other partner experienced that as almost like a romantic betrayal, because the one who was was doing the the had the firefighter activity um, was secretive, because there was a lot of shame around it, especially around relapse. Mm-hmm. And that partner was in all kinds of outpatient programs, and uh, you know was trying to basically those programs were were trying, saying you need to exile that part of you that does the hard drugs because it's not helping your relationship. So they came into my therapy when I was EFT and I said, yeah, I can help you get rid of that. Cause I thought that was my job. So now I'm also exiling this firefighter and we're all working together to get rid of it. Cause we see it as the problem in the relationship. And then during that time I started to train in IFIS, uh, IFS and IFIO. And one day I said, you know, would you two be willing to try something different here? I think we might be able to do something really different and we were all out of ideas and so they said yes and for the very first time we invited that firefighter who was always reaching for the drugs to tell the client the, the, the you know the their pers- the firefighter's person what it was doing mm-hmm. and why and no one had ever asked that firefighter Tell us about how you're trying to help your person right now, and of course, the firefighter was trying to help with horrific flashbacks, with memories that were unbearable, with uh, body responses that were from the trauma. You know where there were actually no words, and the and the client was flooded with all kinds of um, trauma sensations that they had. They didn't know what they were and were terrified. And so as we all listened, but mostly the client and and their firefighter were in connection, was hearing, oh, this isn't about my partner disrespecting me. This is about my partner managing something that is horrifying in, in them, in fact, has nothing to do with me. So there was an unhook from the partner. And then... I said, what do you think, you know, this, this part of you might need from you? And the first thing that this firefighter said was I need a hug. Mm. Mm. And the client whose firefighter it was said, I can't believe that, you know, that is shocking to me to hear that. And the partner who was listening was deeply moved and said, I will give you a hug anytime you want one. Mm. I'm here for that. So sweet. And we had a completely different experience.
2: Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Liz, you also say IFIO is a conviction that if we can connect to ourselves first, we will build capacity for connecting to other. Yeah. Do you want to comment on this?
1: So I say that because you know I really had to learn that for myself personally. I know I had parts that really did want my partner to be my redeemer. And And I think EFT implicitly kind of goes there, that because the focus is on, you know, if I can show my vulnerability, my partner might feel a lot of compassion for me. And then their their sort of forgiveness and love coming towards me is going to give me a new experience, and I'm going to start to build a new secure attachment. What IFIO says is, you know, that may not happen because the other person has parts, And so if we don't build that secure attachment within ourselves, and we we are hooked into our partner to be our redeemer, and they're not there, we're going to get re-traumatized. There's more likelihood we're going to have that experience again of, oh, of course, this person I love is just not there for me. And, you know, for children, that is essential that you have that other person because children are just in the process of becoming and developing. So they do need that external. But once we're adults, it becomes our job to do that primary caregiving, as Dick Schwartz says, we become the primary caregiver. And if we keep expecting the other person to do that for us, we are, it's a setup, you know, because they, they A, it's not their job and B, they can't. And so they'll try to be as available as much as possible. But when they can't, you know, we don't want to be, find ourselves in a collapse. When we start to have more compassion for ourselves and our own internal system, we are more likely going to be more curious and compassionate towards our partner. But when we have a deficit and we think it's their job to fill it, we're probably going to have managers or firefighters that are somehow demanding or manipulating or scheming to get that need met. And our partner is going to feel that and not like it so much. So it really is that it, we are always here for us. And I know I've said that to you know friends of mine. You know, I wasn't therapizing, at least not consciously. Mm-hmm. But you know when I've said you know you're always there for you, and and they've said I-, I never thought of it that way. That feels like such a relief. Yeah. That I don't have to think that my whole sense of well being is hooked into someone else and if i may you know i have a i have a metaphor i use with my couples which is you know if it's like you have a cable clipped to your partner's speedboat and if they take off on a wild journey because they're hijacked by their parts you are going to go zinging across that body of water with them yeah But if you unhook your cable from their speedboat, you can stay on shore and watch them until they have spent themselves and they'll come back. But you don't go on that journey with them. You get to stay grounded in yourself. And that's going to be good for everyone.
2: Yeah, very welcome.
0: I love that metaphor. It's beautiful.
2: Liz, in your beautiful webpage, You say, love will not elude us. Love is simple. How come love can be simple?
1: (laughs) So that's a quote from a Katie Lang song. It is. That um, I would say is my all-time favorite. And actual love is as simple as self. It just is. You know, so much of I think what what we call love or what we think love is is machinations to get needs met. But but love itself, it just is. You know, we're born with it. We we know how to do it, we know how to feel it. It is that experience of just opening ourselves to ourselves and another. You know, it's sort of hard to put into words, but. I think there's an experience of it where you just maybe want the best or feel that joy about the world, about other people, and it doesn't ask for something. It doesn't require something in order to exist and and offer.
0: Beautiful. I'm looking at this incredible painting behind you, and I remember a work of art that you showed us at, at the Portugal training. It was. And I'm curious, you have this incredible background of uh, education in fine arts and English, and I'm wondering how that all fits into your work, if at all, or could it, or is there room? Is there room for those aspects of you?
1: Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think I'm a hopeless romantic. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, in literature, I know I was always looking for the love story or I was always looking for how people were trying to understand themselves and where they found redemption or resources or connection, um, I loved sort of family you know family sagas like Isabel Allende's books I just love cuz I love a good family saga of connections where people actually overcome difficulty and they can forgive and you know they can do harrowing things to each other but they they really see each other's humanity. So I think it's that humanity piece. And then you know for fine art, you know for painting cuz it's just painting that I do it was really creating that sense for myself that it's that creativity piece of, you know, the eight C's of it really allowed me to feel worthwhile and allowed me to express something that I saw as beautiful. Um, and, but, but I am so drawn to portraits, you know, I, what's behind me is abstract and, and I love it because it matches my furniture, but (laughs) When I what I love is portraits. You know, if I'm in a gallery, I am just right up looking at people's faces and it's what I love to paint because there's so much information there. There's so much relating there. There's so much emotion there and and you know a, a story unfolds over time in literature whereas a painting you get the whole story all at once. And I think about that actually often with couples work, because in IFIO, you know, we kind of track the unfolding story, like we slow down the conflict between a couple and get to know what just happened inside you, what's the story you told yourself, when that story gets going, how do you feel in your body, then what happens, then what happens, we get to know the different characters inside them to understand what's happening, And there are these moments where once it's all understood, it's all there all at once that the partner can see, oh, the story, the protector, the exile, the exile, the intention of the protector, all of the feelings. Now it's all there like a fully formed painting. And we have all the information. And I think it does both things.
2: Amazing. Liz, as an IFIO therapist, how do you see the role of sexuality, if any, on couples' well-being and connection?
1: Yeah, so you know, I'm going to give you a pretty um, simple answer, and uh, my guess is people who are specialists in the field would have a much more complex one than mm-hmm. I will. Mm-hmm. But you know, I just see sexuality as another expression of a person's um, sense of being in humanity, and so it shows up in all kinds of forms in the session and you know my job i see my job as helping people be able to talk about it with each other creating the safety to understand how and why their sexuality expresses itself the way it does um and and how they might want to talk about it or understand it someone may still want to go see for instance a sex therapist if there's if there's something that's beyond You know, if they're getting all the understanding and they're feeling safe with their partner and it's it's in the room in a safe way, there may be something else going on. But but that would be my my response is that you can actually bring any topic of conversation into an IFIO framework because the framework is really there to help people have the conversation safely. It's not there to solve the the dilemma, the content dilemma. Thank you.
0: Do you bring some of the the um, references from EFT into the IFO IO work? Or does it feel like you've just shifted completely into IFIO?
1: No, I've shifted completely.
0: Oh, you have? Yeah. I have.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, I th- in fact, it was complete from day one. As soon as I shifted, it was done for me. Um, because, you know, one of the things that EFT also does is it has – these things called enactments where as soon as you sort of have a discovery that's very deep and emotional, you turn towards the partner and share it. And I I don't, I think I'm a terrible EFT therapist because every time that happened, the partner did not have the respond (laughs) I wanted or the client wanted. (laughs) And so it was always a disaster. Whereas an IFIO, that's not required. You know, they're mostly talking to me and what the partner is watching is my me holding self- energy and connecting and allowing every experience to be there, they do eventually, of course. the whole point is for them to learn how to have the different conversation. But mm-hmm. not right away. We're setting up the safety first,
0: and then you don't have the agenda of wanting that partner to have a specific part come up or or you don't have the agenda for them to even have self.
1: Yeah, that's right. And you know, that's a really important point that's also missing in the EFT. And and I would say all my trainings is this thing about agendas and therapist parts, yeah. you know, that I understood them as counter transference. I knew there was this thing called counter transference. I knew I could feel when I got activated. I, I had gone to supervisors to say, yeah, you know, this, this upsets me. It reminds me of my mom, but I did not know how to do self-work. Yeah. So it didn't actually help me. Until I did IFS. And then, because we did so much work on therapist parts in IFS, and we do so much work on therapist parts in IFIO, Mm -hmm. I knew exactly who was showing up in session, and I knew exactly how to get these parts to soften back. And I will often even name... Uh, that I have a part up Mm -hmm. in session. I won't try to pretend like nothing's happening. And I'll just say, I just need a moment to kind of check out who's here. And, you know, this is what happens, right? You, you folks know what this is like, and then they see me doing it. And then, and then I'll say, I really want to be here for you. If I don't, if I don't get these parts to soften back, I'm not going to be fully present. And I really want to be. Exactly. So they get to see how it's done.
2: Please. We understood you are now offering beautiful IFO informed workshops in Toronto for a couple of therapists. Can you tell us a bit more about these workshops? What made you decide to develop and offer them?
1: Yeah. So I offered to develop them because there were were myself and my colleague Ted Leckie, who we had gone to train with Tony at first when we just did the two day intro. And we looked around us and there were no IFIO trained couples therapists. And, you know, I knew that it was going to be hard to get in because people had to get into level one first. And I panicked because I couldn't see everyone and neither could Ted and there was no one in our vicinity. So I wanted to get people interested in it. And I, I thought maybe if people had EFT, because, you know, most people are trained in EFT in Toronto anyway, that maybe if they just had a, you know, a few little um, bits of understanding of IFIO, they might be able to do some sort of a hybrid. And I might feel better about referring if there was some understanding of, of parts. So that's what sort of... Um, started it was I really wanted to create a community. And I wanted to get people interested so that they would go if they hadn't done IFS, they would go do level one. And if they had that they would do IFIO. Because this is not an IFIO training, it is, you know, walking people through the protocol to let them know what's possible. And, and, you know, that's, it's, it's similar to to the two day intro that Tony does. And I, you know, when I brought my training back from that, I was still doing a bit of a Frankenstein's monster version of IFIO until I did the full, full training. But it was so helpful to understand the model and the framework um, from that two days. So that's my hope is to provide that and get people into IFIO.
2: Beautiful.
0: How is it being received in Canada? How is there lots of interest? Is there not enough trainings? Where is it going?
1: Yeah, so I would definitely say not enough trainings, which I know the Institute knows and, you know, are really trying to train people up, which is fantastic. But um, there was so much interest that I think a lot, you know, one of the basic IFIO trainings got filled up with a lot of Canadians, which I'm so happy about. And, um, And the interest I know in Toronto is booming and lots of people in, in IFS in general. And uh, and part of me wants to actually start to now reach out to my EFT community, but I have, you know, I made friends with my trainers, so I don't want them to feel like I'm scooping them, but I've, I'm i kind of scooping them <laughs> because I want more IFIO trained therapists. Yeah,
2: Liz, uh, do you find this IFS, IFIO approach to relationships and couples that should or could be introduced preventively to the ones that are not in a romantic relationship but maybe entering one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So not only for, you know, because it's, it's not just a couple's model, it's a dyad model. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it's not just a dyad model, it's a group model. So I have actually worked with a group of friends who wanted to understand what was happening in their dynamic and there were six of them. And I went in, out into the country to their farmhouse and did a one-day workshop with them about their friendships and what was getting activated in their friendships. And then I also work with siblings who are trying to understand their dynamic. But I have had people come to me as their, I have a, a couple who's actually a, co- they refer to themselves as a COVID couple and, um, and decided to shelter together uh, and became a couple while they were sheltering. Amazing. And Mm -hmm. so they wanted to know more about, you know, we're at the beginning, so we actually want to know now Mm
2: -hmm.
1: what potentially, you know, what pitfalls we can look for and how to communicate and how to set ourselves up for success. So, yeah, absolutely.
2: Liz, and for the future, how do you see your activities for couples and IFIO evolve?
1: So my dream would be to... You know, continue uh, the workshops because I have teaching parts that love it. Um, I've been I've been so fortunate to be invited to be um, on staff for one of uh, the IFIO trainings. I'll be doing that in the fall, and I, you know, I'm jumping out of my skin with joy and excitement about that—that mm-hmm. that I get to meet my colleagues again and and work with Tony again. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to. Do uh, couples groups uh, where I am actually working directly with the couples.
2: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, as a group, you know, and that would probably be a little bit of psychoeducation and a little bit of experiential. So that's next on mm. my agenda. Amazing. And then keep seeing couples. And I'm, I'm now just seeing couples exclusively. Uh, that will start to be the case in about a month or two.
0: Great. Yeah, you've really found your stride. It's wonderful to hear your enthusiasm.
2: It is.
1: Yeah, it only took 35 years, 40 years.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So Liz, thank you so much for having us. It was a joy to be here with you and Tisha, and uh, we hope we can keep meeting and sharing this model, our work and our lives. Thank you so much.
1: This has been such a pleasure. I'm so grateful that you two invited me. I'm really honored. So thank you so much for for welcoming me and all my parts.
0: Yes, it's wonderful to see you again. Thank you for your time.
1: Yeah.